I know I get four servings out of it and I have four meals left at home. So I'm like, shit, I got to do this now so I can like get it out of the way and eat it all before I leave. And we're having a pecan crusted chicken with a barbecue spiced uh, carrots. Oh, yes. It's a lot easier to make than it sounds. That sounds very delicious. Meal kits. Could sure use a sponsorship. (coughs) Welcome to an afternoon of fine mini. It's good to be back, even though we were back in the episode previous to this. You know how the timeline works. It's The episode is always in the future. Well, just when you thought we were done with lighthouses, I have another lighthouse story, but this one's different. We suckered you into another episode about lighthouses. Sorry. But like I said, this one, very different. There's no there's no, no ghosts. ghosts. No ghosts. Um, no people, if I remember correctly, knowing my knowledge of the story. Yes, people, but also the lack of people is where the story lies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were people there at one point, then there weren't, and hence a story. The problem is no people. Um. <laughs> So this is the the story of the, I think it's pronounced Eileen Moore uh, Lighthouse in Scotland. Um, More specifically, the disappearance of the lighthouse keepers of Eileen Moore. Um, My source was Wikipedia and also this article that it won't let me click. Bitch? Bitch Bitch.com? Yes, it's from bitch.com. Oh my god. Like It is just not letting me click this fucking link on my own Google Doc. Sounds like the kind of shit Google Docs likes to pull. Okay, I can't get the article that I used to open, but I will track it down and it will be in the show notes. Um, Anyway, so for geographical reference, uh, Eileen Moore is an island that is part of the Flannan Isles off of the coast of Scotland. It's like way north, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. The Flannan Isles Lighthouse is near the highest point of the island and it was built in 1899. So Eileen Moore is the island, not the lighthouse. Right real Frankenstein's monster uh, situation with this. (laughs) Uh, So our story begins on December 15th, 1900, which if you were keeping track is the year after. Yeah. It brand 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 new new lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, The steamer Arctor was traveling from the U S to Scotland and made a note that the Flannan Isles lighthouse didn't have its light on despite the shitty weather. And as you can imagine, this is both a not good for boats and B Highly unusual, since historically lighthouse keepers are at least kind of dependable. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of having the lighthouse there, so... Is that the light is on, it's yes. It's notable. It's notable when it's not there. Um, the Arctur made a report about the in- incident when they docked in, I think it's pronounced, Life, and plans were made by the Northern Lighthouse Board to investigate. And if you remember, the Northern Lighthouse Board is, like, the overarching lighthouse authority in the UK. So bad weather kept them from heading out to the lighthouse um, on their originally scheduled date of the 20th, and it wasn't until noon on December 26th that they finally got a boat out there. So it's been, I can't retain information right now, when did the first notice the light was out? Uh, December 15th. So they were going to go on the 20th. So good, like, almost two weeks. Yeah, about 11 days, actually. The first clues that something wasn't right were immediately apparent. Uh, none of the usual provision boxes had been left on the uh, like the landing for restocking, and not one of the three keepers came out to greet the investigational party. Um, the lighthouse was supposed to be manned by three men, uh, James Ducott, Thomas Marshall, and Donald MacArthur, with a rotating fourth man who was spending time on shore. 
and rotating is in in the rotation of keepers he wasn't just oh constantly. yeah <laughs> like there was like four assigned to the lighthouse and they would all take a turn going he, off going home yeah uh, so Captain James Harvey was in charge of the ship, which was also carrying Joseph Moore, a replacement keeper. He blew his horn and sent up a warning flare to attract attention. But with no response, a boat was launched and Joseph Moore uh, was put ashore alone. According to reports from Moore himself, the replacement lighthouse keeper suffered an overwhelming sense of foreboding on his long, steep walk up to the top of the cliff. Yeah, I bet. Although I think that's just kind of the default feeling when you're in Scotland, especially in the 1900s. Yeah, like, especially, like, if you're dropped off at this place, you know that you haven't heard from these guys. The light was out. No You don't know there. what you're walking into. Yeah, like, of course you're going to feel foreboding. So once at the lighthouse, Moore realized that something very janky was going on. The door to the lighthouse was unlocked, and in the entrance hall, two of the three oilskin coats were missing, which are like old-timey raincoats, which is a weird thing uh, for well, only just, two of them. Yeah. yeah, just the two out of three. Uh, he moved on to the kitchen, where he found that the clock had stopped because no one was there to wind it, because for, for children um, who might be listening to this podcast, uh, way, way back in the day, clocks were- Wait, okay. First, we got to explain what a clock is. Right. It's like the thing on the front of your phone, except round. And you can hang them on the wall or wear them on your wrist or sometimes put them in your pocket. Like an Apple Watch, except without any of the features. Yes. Just tells time. In, in old-timey days, they didn't have batteries, so you'd have to physically <laughs> wind it up. Most of our listeners are probably like In their 30. 30s or 40s, yeah. <laughs> you guys get it. Did you take your arthritis medication? Good. Okay, so some reports say that there was also half-eaten food on the table, though uh, from my investigation, this just... Seems like a creepy embellishment that was added after the fact. They're, the, those tend to happen in stories like these, just in general. Yes. Um, more reliable sources state that whenever the men left, it was after they had cleaned up from dinner. Which, it is a very cute mental image to think of, like, three men just, like, doing dishes, and, like, one washes, one dries. Just being a little domestic. I love yeah. it. It is a grizzled old sea captain wearing a little apron in my head, so that... I mean, I am picturing Willem Dafoe and two Robert Pattinsons. I've had dreams like that, where I'm the Willem Dafoe. Seek therapy. <laughs> no, you know that recurring dream where you're Willem Dafoe and you're with two Robert Pattinsons on a deserted... No? <laughs> Should probably call my therapist. Uh, so Moore continued to search the rest of the lighthouse, but found no sign of the keepers. He ran back, well, probably didn't run back, but he made his way back to the ship to inform Captain Harvey, who subsequently ordered a search of the entire island for the missing men. No one was found, obviously, or we wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. It's like, oh, it turns out they were actually just, like, all high on mushrooms in the woods or something. Ber they, they were picking berries, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Captain Harvey sent a telegram to the mainland, uh, which in turn was forwarded to the Northern Lighthouse Board headquarters in Edinburgh. And the telegraph read, and I quote, a dreadful accident has happened at Flannan's. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but, as no response was made, managed to land more, who went up to the station but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped, and other signs indicated that an accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. This is a long telegraph. 
<laughs> Night coming on. We could not wait to make something as to their fate. I have left more McDonald, Bowie Master, and two seamen on the island. I believe Bowie Master and two seamen are um, the titles of the people and not like... This is Dave, but we call him Bowie Master. <laughs> uh, two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you make other arrangements. We'll not return to Oban until I hear from you. I have repeated this wire to Moorhead in case you are not at home. <laughs> I will remain at the telegraph office oh my God. until it closes if you wish to wire me. How long did it take to tap, tap, tap out that telegraph? <laughs> Two and a half hours like, later. By the time he sent boop, it. Boop, boop. <laughs> Very tedious. But I guess what else are you going to do? What else are you going to spend your <laughs> night doing? So Superintendent Robert Moorhead, possibly the last man to see the lighthouse crew as they wave goodbye from the shore on December 7th, insisted on... They had been there for a week when they... <laughs> Jesus. Uh, December 7th, insisted on going to the island himself to further investigate. Searching for answers, he looked to the lighthouse logbook, and his findings only shrouded the incident and Eileen Moore in a thicker layer of mystery. The logbook was an official record where the crew members wrote nothing more than information pertaining to the daily running of the light. Beginning on December 12th, through the entries, written in Keeper Thomas Marshall's handwriting, uh, beginning on December 12th, though, the entries written in Keeper Thomas Marshall's handwriting took on a much different tone than just recording the daily bullshit. And this is where it gets kind of weird and creepy. Oh, I'm just going to make a sidebar. Uh, the story of the lighthouse, like the movie, not based on this. Based on another one, oh. another story about I'm a lighthouse. I'm sure this happened all the time. Well, the story that the lighthouse was based on, like, it was literally a dude who his like his partner died and he was like fuck they're gonna think that i killed him so he strapped his partner's body to the side of the house until oh, someone yes. could come get I've him heard this one and like yeah the bodies flopped around during a storm scared the shit out of him not a long enough story to merit adding to the mini yep okay so uh here are the logbook entries starting on december 12th uh by missing keeper thomas marshall december 12th Gale north by northwest. Sea lashed to fury. Have never seen such a storm. Waves very high, tearing at lighthouse. Everything shipshape. James Ducat irritable. <laughs> Followed later that day by storm still raging. Wind steady. Storm bound. Cannot go out. Ship passing sounding foghorn. Could see lights of cabins. Ducat quiet. Donald MacArthur crying. Wow. That's dark. I would be crying too, <laughs> but... I'm not an old-timey lighthouse keeper. It gets worse. Uh, December 13th. Storm continued through night. Wind shifted west by north. Ducat quiet. MacArthur praying. Later that day. Noon. Gray daylight. Me, Ducat, and Arthur prayed. In log. And on December 15th, the final entry was made, which only read, December 15, 1 p.m. Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. That's ominous. Yeah. <laughs> Later that night, the steamer reported the light not being on. So the entries to the logbook were weird for many reasons, beyond the fact that these types of things were never written in official logbooks. Um, so, like, that in itself is strange. You don't really use the logbook to blow up your uh, co-worker spot. Right. Yeah. So, for starters, Ducat was Marshall's superior, and to write in the open logbook that he was irritable would have been extremely unusual, Besides the fact that Ducat was known as being a very good-natured man. Which you can have bad days, so like, whatever. Um, MacArthur was known as being a hardened man of the seas. So an entry claiming that he was crying seemed 
very unbelievable to anyone who knew him, including Moorhead, who also found the comments of praying bizarre because he never knew any of the lighthouse crew to be particularly religious. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of the out-of-character entries, the dates made no sense in regard to a strong storm. The weather on December 12th, 13th, and 14th was reported as being calm, with strong storms not hitting the island until December 17th. Which is the day the lighthouse or the light was out. Two days after the light was out. Two days after the light was out. Okay. Further clues were found down by the landing platform. Here, Moore had noticed ropes, which were usually held in a crate 50 or 70 feet above the platform on a supply crane. So maybe the crate had been dislodged, fell down, and the lighthouse keepers were attempting to retrieve it, and a wave came and washed them out to sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the first and most likely theory. And as such, Moorhead included it in his official report to the Northern Lighthouse Board. So that's the officially accepted reason. Yeah. But this explanation left some people on the Lighthouse Board unconvinced. No bodies were found. And second, it seemed unlikely to them that three experienced keepers would get fucked up by the same weather incident at the same time. I mean, have you seen a rug wave? Yes, I live on the Oregon coast. Another reason that I fear the ocean. The most pertinent and persistent question was around the weather conditions. The seas should have been calm, and they were sure of this as the lighthouse could be seen from the nearby Isle of Lewis, and any bad weather would have obscured it from view. So over the following decades, subsequent lighthouse keepers at Eileen Moore have reported strange voices in the wind, calling out the name of the three dead men. I lied, there are ghosts in this. It was ghosts the whole time. Uh, theories about their disappearance have ranged from foreign invaders capturing them all the way to alien abductions, which is my personal favorite. Of course. Why, why, it's the most fun one. But personally, I think it's probably likely that two of the men were out trying to do some kind of work during heavy winds and the third rushed out to help them uh, before they were likely all blown into the sea. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about, I went to um, the Cliffs of Moher, my first literally first day in Ireland. Ooh. Like, um, this is when I was studying abroad there. So like we had uh orientation, our whole like study abroad group in Limerick. Mm-hmm. So I flew into Limerick. My plate I had like just a whole bunch of shit. This is gonna be a long story for mm-hmm. a very minimal payoff. But like my flight had been delayed, so I was there a day late. So I like flew in in the morning, hadn't slept in like twenty four hours. Uh, got to my hotel room, jumped on my stuff. My roommate came in and she was like, oh, hey, we're leaving on this trip in like 15 minutes. Are you going to come with? And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> and then I hopped on a bus and we went to the Cliffs of Moher. Anyway, <laughs> we're there and we're walking and it's beautiful. Like if, go Google a picture of the Cliffs of Moher. O-M-O-H-E-R because they're gorgeous. But we were there and there was another, we were kind of, they have barriers all along the edges. And uh, there was an old Irish guy there and he started talking to a group of us and somehow it got on the subject of the barriers and like, yeah, you don't want to get too close to the edge. Like a lot of people have gone over the edge of the cliffs and some on purpose and some not so much. Oh, great. It was just so dark. But yeah, like there are literally stories of people like they get too close to the end and the wind just picks up and blows them off. Like yeah. it's happened. It Coastal can winds be a thing. Especially like maybe you've been to the coast in like california or florida like the northern coasts are way different than that yeah um especially when you're up on a like a cliff so as a little epilogue and this is actually my favorite part of all of my research on the 28th of september 1971 the lighthouse was automated it is now monitored from the butt of lewis in the northern point of the <laughs> isle of lewis in the same group of islands as eileen moore 
southwest from the lighthouse is a natural arch called the Eye of the Butt, and it is claimed that the <laughs> Butt of Lewis is one of the windiest locations in the United Kingdom. Uh, well, now I have to Google Eye of the Butt. Cannot wait to see what this comes up. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's not It's not an island. <laughs> Did you just get pictures of a butt? Uh, I'll screenshot this and send it your way. Because if I have to look at it, so do you. I mean, there are a couple of pictures of what looks like a Scottish island. But uh, yeah, that was a mistake. Uh, did you spell Lewis correctly? Uh, no, I, I literally just Googled eye of the butt. I did not add any extras. Oh, no, I'm not looking at any text you sent me, Sarah. <laughs> God. None of them are that bad. It's just some very uh, interesting art. I just found it particularly interesting that the butt of Lewis is one of the windiest locations in the United Kingdom. I mean, that's also uh, topically, yeah, relevant. But You kind of just imagine the wind whistling through the eye of the butt as it is a natural arch. Well, goodbye, everybody. Like God's fart. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.